0: Well, this morning, Mike has his uh, preacher go to the movies. Well, mine is the preacher goes to TV and the Mythbusters. What we're going to look at is, do science and the Bible mix? Now, let me give you a little background on this. Is uh, In grammar school, in high school, I was a nerd. Some people would say I am still a nerd, and uh, <laughs> I am proud of that. I'm, I'm a proud nerd, and because uh, I love science, and I love looking at what uh, really God has done. But when I I didn't come to the little Lord till I was 19. Then I came to the little Lord. We never went to church. I think we went to church once on Easter when my sister got married, and that was it. I did not come from a church background. And so I had science over here, then I had faith over here, and somehow those needed to be put together. What was the puzzle pieces? How did they fit? And I didn't know that. And so that was part of the things that God started working on me when I was 19 uh, in my life. Well, one of the things I came across was was this book called None of the Diseases. It was first produced about 40 years ago, and I read it, and it came from the viewpoint of a doctor. A medical doctor looked at the Bible and studied it and showed the medical science of the uh, what was found in the Bible. Uh, since then, his grandson became a doctor, and they produced a a newer version that has come out just a few years ago. So you can buy this book now on Amazon. And I'd strongly suggest some of you to get this book. It has a lot of tremendous things in it. So what we'll be doing is that we'll be looking at how the Bible has actually been 3,500 years ahead of science. Uh, The Bible has offered cures for diseases throughout the ages, and we'll see hopefully today that the Bible is even relevant for what uh, we, our, our lives and how we live it today. So to give you some historical context, uh, much of the Old Testament was written about 3,500 years ago, which is even older than I am in my gray hair. Um, therefore, you would expect the Bible would have much of the laws and the medical wisdom that was Egyptians because during that time, uh, the the Israelites were actually under captivity, and that's where Moses was actually uh, taught. Well, the Egyptian society was the most advanced society of its day, and uh, it had a medical book called Eber's Papyrus. It was the most advanced medical book of the time and was written about 1500 B.C., So, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at uh, what this medical book says and some of its medical cures to give you a context, the difference between the Bible and what this most advanced um, medical book of its time. Now, I'm sure some of you are struggling with hair falling out. I won't mention any names here. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, But the uh, Egyptian a medical book actually had a cure for that. So let's look what they say for a cure. When it falls out, one remedy is the mixture of fats, namely those of a horse, hippopotamus, crocodile, the cat, the snake, and the ibex. Now, to strengthen it, anoint it with the tooth of a donkey crushed in honey. Well, you know, you might be desperate enough to try that. So, you know, afterwards, maybe we can get a group of men together. We can find all these different fats and just try it out and see how it works. Well, um, they actually had one for, a, for the queen. And uh, so maybe some of you would like to try this. Uh, extra special dressing for the uh, Egyptian queen consisted of equal parts of a greyhound, dot blossoms, asses, hooves, all boiled in oil. This was intended to make the royal hair grow. I say i watch watched some of what's, uh, what you've gone through, you ladies, and some of the things you have to do is even just about this bad. And um, one of the things is I work in a computer department. So what we did is we took this formula, we put it in the computer, and asked the computer, what would that look like today if people applied it? And this is what it came up with. (laughs) Well, I think that's really great looking hair, isn't it? Well, what about snake bite? it had a solution for snake bite. now that's important in florida because in florida did you know that every poisonous snake there is in the united states is in florida also and and uh, in fact becky has been struck at twice by a water moccasin. luckily they were a bad shots so they missed uh but it's a big thing. so what do the doctors of the day suggest for this? the doctors of the day suggest would give them magic water to drink. Now, this water was poured over a special idol, and in the in the splinters of this idol, they had applied worm's blood and asses dung. Can you believe that? And so what would happen when they would drink this, because ass's dung has actually tetanus spores in it, by just drinking this alone killed many people from lockjaw. And so you don't know if you're to die from the snake or the lockjaw, Okay, what about pink eye? Now, I know we still suffer through pink eye. Here's their solution for pink eye, uh, 1500 BC. Apply the urine, urine of the faithful wife. I can tell by your face that you're looking forward to this, right? Exactly. Well, well, think about this a little bit here. If it didn't work, what would they think? That's right. That wife wasn't as faithful as I thought. Yes. Okay. Well, let's just look at this a little bit. While Moses and the Israelites in captivity, Moses was educated in the uh, highest education of the Egyptians. Israelites, being slaves and captives, would have learned all these cures. The uh, Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, was uh, written during this period of time. Therefore, you would expect that the Bible, because of Moses and because of the Israelites, would be full of these same cures that you just saw. Unless, possibly, this was actually God's knowledge passed to man. So let's look at it. In Exodus 15:26, it reads... If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, and if you pay attention to his commandments and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord God who heals you. Basically, he would say, if you turn away from the things that you learned from the Egyptians and come to my word, listen to my word, I will keep you from the same diseases the Egyptians had. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at God's medical book, the things that were written down and comparing to what the physicians said during the day and what's uh, happening today. Well, one of the first things we see is we don't see any of the Egyptian laws or medical cures in the Bible, even though Moses, who wrote good portions of the Bible uh, and was educated in Egypt. What we do see is we see medical cures that uh, stand up against the advanced uh, medical knowledge that we have today. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at several different cases where it shows where the Bible cures and contrast it, even some of the doctors were saying during that time. Well, leprosy. Well, leprosy was for hundreds of years killed and maimed millions of people in Europe. In fact, it was more dreaded often than you hear about the Black Plague. Well, leprosy was just a horrible kind of thing and uh, that we were concerned about. So what did the physicians uh, offer? Some taught that it was brought on by eating spiced foods, spoiled fish, or diseased pork. Others say, well, the, li- the planets aren't quite lined up right. That's what must be causing them. But what happened? The church took uh, leadership and, through looking at the Bible, actually brought leprosy under control. Here's what uh, Dr. Rose, uh, a professor in Columbia, said. Leadership taken by the church, as the doctors had nothing to offer, the church took on its guiding principle of infection as embodied in the Old Testament. This idea and practice's consequences are greatly defined with clarity in the book of Leviticus. Once a condition of leprosy has been established, the patient was to be segregated and excluded. So basically, in Leviticus, it described very clearly what leprosy was and how to recognize it. Then it said, take the lepers and then separate them out. And the reason why they did that is they were trying to protect God's people and can protect people in general from getting this more of a disease because of leprosy being spread out through touch and other ways. Well, there's other diseases today that um, plague man, uh, cholera, dysentery, typhoid fever. And in fact, um, during the uh, through the ages, uh, some of the great capitals you know, Middle Ages and on through. In fact, many countries that I visit today, I've been to about 30-plus uh, countries around the world, the hygienic principles are not like here in the U.S. And some, what they would do is they would take the human waste and actually just throw it out in the streets. In fact, as I, some of you who might have visited Europe, you look at these great castles of Europe, you looked at one of the places how they went the bathroom, they would go the toilet was what they called the toilet at the time, would be right over the edge of the wall. And when you went to the bathroom, it would just fall out the side of the wall, and which sounds pretty gross. And uh, that would cause diseases. Flies would come in there, pick it up, and spread diseases to the um, other people uh, and it would cause the spreading of those diseases. Well, let's look at God's solution. Um, and God's solution in Deuteronomy 23, 12 and 13, it says, designate a place outside your camp where you can go relieve yourself as part of your equipment, have something to dig with, and when you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover up your excrement. I'm sure many of you have done your quiet time on this verse. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure that the uh, middle school boys would love it. You wouldn't believe what they talked about in church. And say, it's right here in the Bible. And... Um, But it was uh, this uh, medical historian basically said, this directive is certainly a primitive measure, but an effective one, which indicates advanced ideas of sanitation written 3,500 years ago. Basically, by taking the human waste, having it away from your camp, covering up so the flies can't do it, that protected mankind from diseases. In fact, today, if they would practice that in many parts of the world, many of the diseases we see... Would be removed. Because I've seen it where they've actually dumped it into rivers, then downstream you'd have people washing in the rivers and using that for drinking water, and they got radically sick. If they would just apply today's Bible written 3,500 years ago, it would eliminate a lot of those problems. Another example here uh, there's a famous teaching hop- hospital in Vienna um, where a pregnant women would come in. And even in this famous teaching album, one out of six women would die um, in this hospital. And basically, the doctors said it was because unremitting constipation, delayed lactation, excessive fear. Well, I tell you, if I was going to the hospital and I thought I had a one out of six chance of dying, I'd be very fearful myself. And then lastly, poisonous air. That's what the doctors thought that was the problem. But what was the real problem, was it? It was caused by the unclean practices of doctors themselves. What they would do during that time in the mid-1800s was they would do an autopsy, and they would examine why this woman had died. Then after the autopsy, then they would go into the ward and examine a healthy woman, not washing their hands in between. And through that, they would spread the disease to these healthy women, and that's why one out of six women died. Well, Dr. Similis ordered that every doctor and medical student wash their hands after every autopsy. And when they started doing that, uh, before this rule, one out of six uh, people died. After this rule, one out, the death rate dropped to one out of 84. And so they found something very important there. But then he starts saying, well, the death rate is still too high. And he noticed that when they examined uh, a a woman that was sick and then went on to examine the other woman, those women would get it. So he said, oh, we should be washing our hands every time we touch a patient. So they changed that, and it went down, the death rate down a lot further. So the question is, was he... Um, was he thing by, you know, did everybody like what he did? Actually, no. Uh, All the other doctors say, washing, 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 this is no good, we don't like it. In fact, they end up um, firing him and he was released. And uh, they went back to the old practices and they went back to the same death rate where they learned, no, they wanted to do it their traditional way, they've always done it. In fact, today we'll find people who end up dying because of their uh, unsafe practices. Sometimes people get doctors or nurses to get tired and don't wash their hands every time, and sometimes a disease can be uh, passed on. So, what's what's God's solution? In Numbers 19, and I'm sure you do your quiet time on that one too. Um, as you read through it, it's got kind of actually really really fascinating. It basically it was couched in a ceremonial fashion, but it basically said any, if you ever touch an unclean person or touch a dead person, then you're unclean for seven days. In fact, um, one of the verses when I was studying and practicing, I looked at this and it just jumped out at me. Fascinating. This is the law that applies when a person dies in a tent. Anyone who enters the tent and anyone who is in it, it will be unclean for seven days And every open container without a lid fastened will be unclean. I was just thinking about that. and I was just going, that's absolutely amazing if you think about it. Before they knew what germs were, and even coming in the tent, you can pick up the disease. So they're saying you're unclean so that it has a chance for the germs to go away and find out if you're going to get it yourself. And so they were unclean. They had to stay away from others. But on top of that, even if there's a container where the lid is off, you know germs will get down inside the that container, so they even had provision for that. Well, they even had a scripture method for washing their hands so if, if you and I really strongly read read through numbers nineteen and look at it from a different medical point of view, not from a religious point of view, but from a medical point of view that they were had a way of describing how to wash your hands and how to wash it over and over and over, and basically. It was a ceremony they did by faith for God, but it was God's provision to protect them from diseases that the Egyptians used to have. And then the soap that they used was had a kind of a gritty sand in it and hyssop. And what the theologians believed, the hyssop actually had a bacteria-fighting principle in it. And you'll see in there where it talks about sprinkling this all over the tent and everything that touched the dead person. Well, that was God's way of protecting them. They were doing it by faith, not knowing what they're doing, but it was actually a provision that God had given them. Well, one of the things that, um, you know, today we've seen from doctors is that a lot of your brain and your body are, are, are directly connected. And there's a lot of things that we do that causes stresses like anger and frustration and hatred and other things. And they've shown that those kind of things actually cause you to have stresses in your body and will actually cause diseases. In um, in this book... Whoops. I skipped a whole section, but I guess it's good. So we, we won't be long like uh, Mike here, so go through the section here. In In the book here... Uh, it basically said correlation between um, these different frustrations, like envy and jealousy. Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is not envious. And so what I have put in, in the bulletin is a for you to uh, study this week is to really look at some of those possible frustrations that could be anger and jealousy and other things, and then look through First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapters. One of my favorite things. One of the things I memorized when I was first became a, a Christian. It really helped me out a lot. Well, one of the questions could be asked is, um, if will I get if I do everything exactly right? I wash my hands. I do the Old Testament, all the things they say, and I don't get frustrated. I don't get mad well, I have no diseases. No, the Bible doesn't necessarily promise that. It did promise for the Israelites uh, that they wouldn't have the diseases of the Egyptians. And if we do apply a lot of the things that God told us to do, that will help us prevent some diseases. But at the same time, it doesn't mean if somebody has a disease, uh, they have sinned some way, and that's not true. You know, Lou Stevens right down here, we've been praying for him for uh, months and months, on having cancer. And Lou is just a very godly man. And just because he has cancer doesn't mean he's sinned in a particular way. What well, it does mean that there is our whole, um, all of us are sin in, in diseases and things that are like a result of the fall. Well, in, in closing here, um, there was a, a study done with... Um, 259 adults in Stanford, and in this study, they saw that stresses and anger and symptoms and headaches and stomach upsets went way down, and because uh, they practiced one thing, forgiveness, isn't that amazing? In the Stanford study, and they studied this, it came right back to the central theme of the Bible. The central theme of the Bible is forgiveness. The Bible encourages to forgive one another. And forgiving someone releases stress from the anger and things you have that can cause on you. But also, the ultimate forgiveness so we can have that platform is the forgiveness that God has given us personally, and each, every one. Um, For myself, when I came to know the Lord when I was 19, before that I used to have uh, these, I just worried about myself, I was the thinnest person known to man um, they used to talk about the ninety eight pound weakling. I wish I was at least ninety eight pounds. Uh, I would have been happy with that, and uh, in fact i couldn 't join the army because I was ten pounds underweight. They rejected me and uh, and so i had and i wasn 't people i didn 't feel that loved me, and I just had these things and I used to have this big acid stomach aches because I worried about things I worried about acceptance I worried about Making in school, which I wasn't doing, and I would just curl up from these acid stomach aches, and sometimes I would have great depressions, and, and I just and I'd get really down and low. In fact, what I used to do is I used to we used to live up in the near the mountains. I used to drive my car through the mountains, and I would drive as fast as I can, and I would just scare the depression out of me, and um, became a good driver in the midst of it. So I always wanted to be a race car driver, so that was cool. Um, And so I'm going to close in prayer right now, and I want to encourage two things. First, for those of you that uh, know the Lord, I want you to encourage, is there somebody that you're holding something against, that you're angry about or you're upset about them, it's not worth it. Forgive that person. Don't hold grudges because the person that affects more than anybody else is yourself. And sometimes we hold those grudges and get angry thinking we're going to, Discipline that other person or make that other person hurt no it hurts you more so I want you to to pray and and turn those things over and this week I want you to look at the bulletin and the points I have in there and do that secondly, uh, what I want you to do uh, for those who haven't made this a commitment like I didn't when I was nineteen I'd really ask that you just make this commitment to the Lord having this walk with the Lord relieved so many things in my life and just radically changed me. You would not believe the person, if you see me today, than I used to be. It wasn't that I was into drugs and doing all this. It wasn't any of that stuff. I was just a messed up kid, uh, and I just was frustrated with life. But when he came into my life, he radically changed me. So I'm just going to close our time in prayer right now. Lord, just thank you for your word. Thank you that these 3,500 years that you have given us knowledge and by trusting you by faith, we can have the diseases kept from us. Lord, I just pray for the Christians right now that if they're holding a grudge or they're angry with someone, and uh, they're thinking about that more than you, that you would they would turn that over to you and ask for forgiveness of that person, and they would forgive that person. Then, Lord, I'm sure there's people out here today that don't know you, have not come accepted your ultimate forgiveness that you have given all of us. And I know it was hard for me as a person who loves science to let go. And to let you take over my life. But I know you radically changed my life and conquered many of those problems. And I would just encourage those who don't just to pray this. Say, Lord, I just really do need you. Lord, I want you to take over my life. I want to have this life with you. I want you to take care of the stresses in my life. And so we just pray all this in your name. Amen.